Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Pages Unknown, the podcast dedicated to all things books and pop culture. I'll be joined, as always, by my effervescent co-host, Zachariah. Say hi, Zachariah. Hi, Zachariah. <laughs> Never gets old. On today's episode, we're talking all things cozy and fantastical, the kind of book you want to read when it's rainy and cold. It's perfect as we get nearer and nearer to autumn. Before we dive in, this is your fair and evergreen warning that there will be spoilers throughout this episode. This will be true for every episode moving forward. We made sure to read the books and now we want to talk about them. As a reminder, new episodes are out every Wednesday. And if you, our wonderful listeners, would like to read along with us, we're posting all the books we're reading on the Literal Book Club app, not sponsored. You can join Literal with the invite link, literal.club slash invite slash IFDEP2G. One more time to join the Literal app and our book club, literal.club slash invite slash IFDEP2G. You can find the book club under Pages Unknown podcast read along. Pages Unknown also happens to be our TikTok account. All right, let's talk about cozy books. If you joined us on episode zero of this podcast, you'll know that I eat these types of books <laughs> up. All of the tropes in these books that we're talking about are the ones I ranked very high. Yes. We're talking about cozy books, autumn vibes, cool weather, dark dungeons, and as you'll see in some of these books, coffee shops. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pervasive theme. We have Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry and The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. Michaela, what makes a book cozy in your opinion? What I say makes a cozy book, and this is just my opinion, it's a book that's relatively short. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, between 300, maybe 400 pages max, a book that has the main crux of the book, the problem of the book maybe isn't mm -hmm. so serious. It's easily resolved. It's not a huge deal. Low gives stakes. You those, gives those warm and fuzzies, you know, it's the type of book mm -hmm. that you just want to like curl up with a blanket and get all nice and comfortable. The characters are usually quite lovable. Mm -hmm. And to me, the most important thing that makes a cozy book is that it has a happy ending. I want all of the pieces. I want every single string, everything tied up with a perfect bow yes. at the end. And I everyone's no happy. one Exactly. And if there is like a big bad in the book, you could even make it perfect for me if every single person in the book got a happy ending, including a redemption arc for that bad character. Yeah. I want I want everything tied up in a nice bow. I think it's because uh, it comes from my need to have an order and <laughs> things to be correct, quote unquote. Yeah, the ultimate escapism. Oh, absolutely. I growing up, that's what I needed. That's why I fell so into these into this genre. Going into fall, mm -hmm. I always find myself returning to books that have this kind of witchy autumnal vibe, but also things that are lighthearted, as you're saying. Yeah. I don't want to have to be stressed out. I'm already stressed out. <laughs> already stressed out and summer is not my season. I don't like being warm. No, I'm tired of being sweaty. I'm so over it. But it also, you know, like a cozy book contrasts to the, your surroundings. So in the winter when it's miserable and snowing, you know, we're on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of snow, a lot of wind, a lot of wet, mm -hmm. a lot of cold. It's just mm -hmm. nice to have a book that kind of warms you up from the mm -hmm. inside, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's what these books have done for me. It has been a pleasure reading these all of the authors have now been marked on my personal Goodreads as ones to watch. So if they're putting yeah. out additional books in the same vein, I want to be the first to know. 100% agree. 100% agree. I recommended that we read Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. 
And it centers around an individual from an adventuring party who's retired and she wants to have her own cafe. She wants to make coffee and lattes for people in this new city. She wants to put down roots for the first time. This book is about Viv, uh, a character who meets Tandri, who comes to work at her shop. Viv was part of an adventuring party. Uh, An adventuring party are you familiar with a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons? Vaguely. My partner played for some time and I sat in on a couple of his sessions. So I'm I'm vaguely familiar, but explain just in case somebody isn't. Sure. So in Dungeons and Dragons, at least the setting and some of the lore, you walk into a tavern and you meet a couple of people and all of you are now on a mission together uh, by circumstance or by chance or because somebody posted a thing in the town square looking for people. Viv was part of one of these adventuring parties for a long time. Viv has been through hell and high water and has done some unsavory things in her past, right? She's, I'm sure she's murdered people. She's stolen things, right? Mm -hmm. But this is her last adventure. She wants to be done with this life. So there's a little bit of lore surrounding this stone you can get from a creature called Mm. Skullvert. And now she gets it and she says, I'm done. I have saved up money from all of our adventures. I'm out of here. This is lovely because she's we're right at the retiring portion of it. We start with her getting the stone and then <laughs> moving on. And essentially it becomes, if you were to take Farmville, like the resource <laughs> management, the resource <laughs> management of Farmville and put it into a D&D setting with coffee. <laughs> I'm really selling this book, huh? I'm really you are, selling it. You are. I, so she moves to Thune and finds this livery and it's this old rundown, essentially a shack that has just been there. And the book walks you through finding how she finds all the different resources to turn it into a coffee shop. That's what she wants to do. But nobody in the in the city has ever heard of coffee. Nobody oh, knows boy. what it is. So it literally, she sets this whole thing up. She spends her money to buy all the beans, fix the entire place up. And she's like, well, I guess I got to hire somebody. So she posts the thing in the town square. She's very familiar with doing this because she's been somebody who has responded to these calls for action in the town square. So she's like, oh, I see parts of my old life hung up around my thing, asking for a barista to a town (laughs) that has never heard of coffee. Low stakes. I love it. Low stakes. It's lovely. So finally, she hires Tondri. Then she hires Thimble. Thimble is there. Now they're chef. And Thimble's my favorite character. Oh my God. Thimble is a ratkin. R-A-T-T-K-I-N. So it's like a a race of creatures in the world or human being type people. And Thimble talks like, in one little word. That's how it's (laughs) described. That's how it's described that Thimble talks. And I love this. But eventually Viv talks about the stone and how if you put the stone underneath the cafe, it's supposed to blossom. And things like luck is supposed to come to her. Well, eventually one member of her old adventuring party gets mad and says, absolutely not. I'm going to steal this. So burns down the building. Oh, wow. Oh, it's it's actually super traumatic. At this point in the book, when this all happens, Tondri and Viv are kind of falling for each other. A little bit of queer romance, but it's set on the back burner a little bit. So it's not the main thing. I know you're looking at me because I don't like romance books. I know that you're... But don't I love like this. them using air quotes there. Air quotes here. For our yes, listeners. Yes. It burns down and then the town kind of comes together and says, oh, we're going to help get this back up. People just start showing up Aww. and helping it rebuild. And I finished it a couple of days ago. And when she's talking about getting Thimble a new giant oven, oh, oh, I'm, like, I'm tearing up. Oh. I love 
I love this book. It, Thimble and Viv's relationship and then uh, Viv and Tondry's relationship. Other members of her adventuring party who come back, help do things. She's found a family and a place that is hers. And yeah. since the stone got stolen, right? The, the, the lucky stone, she comes to find out the stone's power is not what she thinks it is. And instead of her business failing, uh, she just continues to thrive. And then the story ends with, I won't give every single thing away, but the story ends with her and Tondry essentially moving in together in the loft ah. above the cafe. It just made me so insanely happy. I really recommend this book, especially if you're into high fantasy, but some low stakes. It is low stakes, ultimately. I mean, obviously the burning down, that's a bit tough. These books that we're talking about really just give you that sense of belonging. You know, these mm -hmm. characters have made little groups for themselves and a little mm -hmm. home. You know, there's such a pervasive theme in these mm -hmm. books of found family and, and looking for mm -hmm. a sense of belonging where you may not have found it in your, your regular life. Absolutely. It's no surprise that the found family trope, these books have queer characters, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like as a queer person, I've talked about this other times. When I think about who my family is, it goes beyond who is blood related to me. It goes beyond who's in proximity to me. Like you, Michaela, you are part of my found family. And it was really, really nice when I moved for college mm -hmm. and we became friends. You probably had no idea how, oh, I'm going to get emotional. You ha probably have no idea how important it was to me that I had you. Don't get emotional. I'm going to get and emotional. And the other people. Well, it's true. And these books made me think about that so much last couple of weeks. I agree. I fully agree. And I love it because in the other book, every single thing I could that could possibly make me emotional is yeah. in one book. <laughs> But as you're saying, it's all tied to, it's all found in the book. Yeah, no, we definitely, I mean, we have books in, or, you know, themes in common with books that we talked about. The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches mm -hmm. really rounded it out quite well. Oh, yeah. We're not like the biggest planners, you know, we're not great at planning things, but wow, <laughs> did we knock it out of the park with these three. They work so well together. You know, the main character in Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches, which is a mouthful, and I will probably just start referring to it as Very Secret Society. We follow okay. Micah and she doesn't belong anywhere. Is it Micah or Mika? Micah I, or I, Mika. I kept I saying Mika Moon the whole time. Micah Moon does sound better. I was saying Micah Moon, but I, I don't know. I guess we can leave that up to the people Miss of the moon, the good Miss people moon. of the internet will surely <laughs> tell, tell us. <laughs> they will tell us. So our main character, Miss Moon, to play it safe here, <laughs> Miss Moon is looking for a sense of belonging. That's that's all the whole mm -hmm. book is all about that. And she gets this invitation to tutor three young witches. Mm -hmm. And along the way, not only does she find parts of her own identity and sort of solidify herself as a witch, but she mm -hmm. also meets this hilarious cast of characters who quickly become her people. I mean, when I was writing notes while I'm reading it, the, the thing I wrote this book has everything. Found family, diversity, queer representation, romance, a little mystery, right? Mm -hmm. There's just everything in this book. And you're right. She's looking for a sense of belonging that wasn't given to her by her caretaker. Right. Now, Mika 
is, I believe, Bangladeshi. Mm-hmm. And the individual who is in charge of her care is an older British woman. Well, we can talk about like weird colonial tropes absolutely later. However, <laughs> I think it's important because the author of this book is also an Indian woman who absolutely understands that much more than I do, uh, <laughs> that relationship. The thing I kind of want to point at here is how diverse this book is made. Yeah. Like the author, I'm sure you noticed this, right? It's like intentionally diverse. In my opinion, it did feel ham-fisted, but intentionally ham-fisted. And it's Ooh. good. I like that she was like, I'm going to be out with it. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you know, this is exactly how it is. And if you don't Mm -hmm. like that, you can walk away. This book is for everybody. And if you don't like that, you don't have to read my book. Yeah. And that's what it is though. It's very in your face. Every character's description is like, this person is black. This person is Palestinian. This person is white. This person is old. This person is young. It wasn't just tiptoeing around either race or age or anything. It was like, no, this is what it is. If there was a queer character, it's like, no, that's my husband. It's refreshing to not have to do so many inferences. Oh, absolutely. No, it was, she made it very clear from the get. It was very obvious of like, there is no room for questioning. There's no room for saying, oh, maybe they're best friends, you know, best friends that live together and kiss. (laughs) And live in a tiny, tiny little hut surrounded by beautiful gardens. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. They're just friends. (laughs) It's like the cottagecore girlies are are gonna love this. Well, I actually went through your notes. I read some of the notes that you were mm-hmm. written. I, I'm not as organized as you are. All of my notes are in my head. And so they're a jumble. But something I mm. did want to kind of talk about was the distinction between having a warm and fuzzy feeling for the characters while also not really liking mm-hmm. some of their behaviors. You talk about, you know, cursing in front of kids, talking sexually, not necessarily in front of kids. Well, here's the thing. It seems like there are moments where people are, cussing in front of kids. And I say cussing instead of cursing, like a lot of other people do, but just right in front of them. And it was this treatment of these very young, young kids as able to handle these words, right? It was mm-hmm. kind of taking out the power of some of the words by saying like, these aren't a big deal. People say this at the same time, it was a little jarring to be saying all of these things in front of these eight, nine and 10 year olds, like these like very young kids. I, I know there was cussing around me when I was eight. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get what I'm saying though? Speaking of the kids, I did bring this up in my notes and I don't know if you read this, but the name of the kids, we haven't named all the characters yet. We have that three kids. It's Altamira, Terracotta mm-hmm. and Rosetta. I want to know which of the caretakers that these children have, which are different caretaker <laughs> than Mika. You know what? This kid's name is great Terracotta. Name. <laughs> I, I knew <laughs> Altamira, when I first read that, I kept thinking like, isn't this a Pokemon? Is it? I don't know. No, it's not. It's uh, it's a different it's a different name, but it's relatively close. But then I'm not trying to make fun of it. But I was like, oh, that took me out of it for a second. Yeah. The other thing that took me out of it, the way that the children mm-hmm. were talking to the adults took me out of it. It's like, I don't know a child who maybe would talk like this. Interesting. I mean, part of me was thinking while reading it that, you know, kids being a little bit more adult than maybe they should be at that age or being exposed to more adult things than maybe they should be can be sort of tied to real life and children who live in tumultuous areas, children who grow up afraid of police forces and of people in positions of authority and have to grow up a lot faster. I do mm. agree the names. Terracotta is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Rosetta and Altamira, I can absolutely, I think they're beautiful names, but Terracotta definitely... <laughs> For a minute, I was like, ooh. <laughs> 
I don't actually have many like young kids that I interact with on a day-to-day basis. I'm the youngest sibling and my cousins are mostly grown by this point. So I don't know. I don't know how, I don't think about it in that sense. You know, like, I guess you having a niece, like that kind of is your reality. So trying Mm -hmm. to picture her saying things the way terracotta might. I wonder if it was intentional to have them speak more in adult manner because these children have gone through, in some ways, they've gone through trauma, right? One of the big things about this book is that all witches suffer under a curse where their mother dies or their their family die. And so you are immediately orphaned when you are born if you are a witch. So these three individuals have been orphaned and Mm -hmm. now they are under the care of this rainbow family. Lucy is one of the individuals in employ of the caretaker of the children. And then you have Ken and Ian. And then you have obviously Mika comes to work here. And then you have Jamie. Jamie's also in the employee and is the younger dashing librarian. librarian. <laughs> Love it. The grumpy librarian. What a trope. But I do wonder if maybe that was an intentional choice by the author to make the children's dialogue seem much older because they have gone through a lot of this and have been forced to grow up rather yeah. quickly. Well, I have to say I'm very impressed with you for committing to this book because obviously you're not the biggest <laughs> fan of romance. No. We know this. We've talked about Awful. it. <laughs> okay. All right. Settle, settle. So how did you find that? Like, how did you find going into hmm. this book not liking romance? I didn't hate it. I did not. Out of the books, Legends and Lattes is number one. And this one is right after it, like by a smidge. Interesting. Like just, just right below it. The romance wasn't necessarily overly raw. It yes. felt more like It's a will they, won't they versus a romance. It felt more like a situational than it did like an intentional. Do you know what I'm saying here? I do. Yeah. yeah. I think that we talked about this off air, but this is her first Mm -hmm. foray into adult quote unquote romance. So it does kind of still read like YA. It's not explicit, not really like steamy or whatever. It's definitely like sexually charged. There's definitely tension. Yes. But I agree with you. It's not an outright romance of, you know, the caliber that you're kind of thinking where it's just smut, which there is nothing wrong with, by the way. <laughs> no, we're going to do a whole episode uh, talking about smut and fan yeah. fiction at some point. So let's give a quick, a quick rundown of exactly what the very secret society of irregular witches is all about. This book follows Micah slash Mika Moon as she goes through life as one of the very few witches left in England. Obviously being a witch, she's got to hide a lot of herself being an orphaned witch, she's on her own all the time. And one of the ways she chooses to sort of engage with people from a distance is by posting these videos, quote unquote, pretending to be a witch. She's not pretending, but people would think that she's pretending. But a secret letter arrives. Someone saw her videos and knew she wasn't fibbing about it. They send her this invitation to come to Nowhere House to train three young witches as they learn to control their powers so they can maintain the secrecy so that they can keep, you know, their society under wraps. Mm-hmm. And of course, hijinks ensue, as they always will in these books. And the curmudgeonly librarian, Jamie, comes along and his main goal is to protect the children. And so in the beginning of the book, he kind of views Miss mm-hmm. Moon as a threat to the safety of the children. Along the way, he learns that she's not. And he learns to love her and da la la la, <laughs> <laughs> which is the technical description of it. I promise I'm a professional. <laughs> 
that's pretty much the story. It's it's quite lighthearted, I would say, minus the whole innate orphan thing. Ties in quite nicely. These books have absolutely everything that I'm looking for in a good read, right? Haha, <laughs> good reads. Here we oh, are. Not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. These books have queer representation. They're diverse. They are low stakes. And at the end of them, people get to be happy. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> queer like, people get to be happy. Well, queer people get to be happy. Women get to be happy in these books. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I hate it that both of those things are happening in the fantasy genre. Why can't we? <laughs> Let's make that a reality. Seriously. Uh, that's, a different, that's a different episode for a different podcast. Yeah. But, but really though, people get to be happy in these books. And that's the thing I'm looking for. So when we talk about cozy books, we talk about cozy fantasies. I want things tied up in neat ribbons. I want things to actually work out for the characters, even if they were the bad guy at the beginning. I said this earlier in their episode. Yep. I would like every person to have a good ending to this. We hope that all of you enjoyed and we'll take our recommendations to check these books out. Once again, all of these books, I'm just going to name the titles once more if you're at the end of this episode and looking to jot them down. We have Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. And we have The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. Thank you all for joining us for episode two of our podcast. Please let us know what you think about these titles if you've read them, especially if you're on the literal app book club with us. We would love to know how y'all are feeling. Please tune in next week. On that one, we're going to be talking about My Best Friend's Exorcism and some book to movie, book to TV adaptations, maybe talking a little bit about nostalgia reads as we kind of got into a little bit in this episode. And we'll probably get into nostalgia reads in every episode. Again, thank you so much. We'll talk to all of you at the next one. Bye. Bye.